listening from and welcome to indoor air quality radio iaq radio it's friday january 20th 2017 this week is episode number 444 my name is radio joe hughes i'm coming to you from studio d in central city pennsylvania at the controls is our engineer john you gotta have faith and joining me from studio c back in mckees rocks pennsylvania is cliff the z-man zlotnick Hey, Radio Joe. Hey, John. Hello, everybody. Good day, Cliff. Joining us today, we, we welcome Jacques Touillon. He's the co-founder and CEO of Airbox Lab, the manufacturers of the FUBOT um, remote sensors that um, are, you know, these sensors are becoming a very popular thing out there, IAQ monitors for home use. We're going to talk about that today with Jacques. Before we do, we want to thank our marquee sponsors. We could not do the show without our sponsors, beginning with our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's J-O-N-D-O-N.com. Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at iaq.net. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Visit them at legends-enviro.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services or products. And last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week. So many of your answer is easy. Either email it to czlotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations. To Doug Conan, Aerotech Environmental, Dayton, Ohio, for the first correct answer to last week's IAQ radio trivia question. The IQ Radio Trivia question for today, Friday, January 20, 2017, has been sponsored by Ideas, the solution chemistry company, creating unique solutions to odor removal, surface cleaning, and decontamination problems. Now for today's IQ Radio Trivia question. A particle counter is an instrument that detects and counts physical particles. Name the two categories into which particles which are detected or counted by the devices fall. Back to you, Joe. Thank you, Cliff. Today's guest is Jacques Touillon. He is the co-founder and CEO of Airbox Lab, 
Uh, they are the we're calling this the low cost sensor IAQ monitor craze with the Fubot CEO. Uh, Jock is the co-founder and CEO of uh, Airbox, as I mentioned. They create the Fubot Smart Indoor Air Quality Monitor. He worked in the environmental communication industry for many years, but co-founded the company after watching his own son, who suffers from asthma, struggle to breathe in their home. Now the company protects building occupants from pollutants by sending friendly alerts to consumers, integrating directly with smart devices to automate IAQ, and giving contractors a real-time view of clients' air pollutants, temperature, and humidity via a detailed contractor dashboard. And Jock is joining us from Luxembourg today, so it's nice to have a new country represented on the IAQ radio, uh, on the IAQ radio spectrum of companies. We've got some music for Jock. Particle man, particle man, doing the things a particle can. What's he like? It's not important. Particle man. Is he a dot or is he a speck? When he's underwater, does he get wet? Or does the water get him instead? Nobody knows, Particle Man. Okay, welcome, Jacques. Do we have you on the line? Yes, hi, Joe. Thank you for having me online. I'm very happy to share with you uh, thoughts and, and ideas, um, and as well as experience um, um, indoor air quality and um, the future for that. Well, we look forward to the discussion. This is an interesting topic. There's been more of these units coming out. But let's let's go back and, and talk a little bit about you first. Um, tell us how you got, you know, what happened that started the Airbox Lab. Yeah. So I, as you mentioned, you know, uh, actually, and I think it's, it's the, the case for most of the project, it started with a question. And my question was, um, how come my fourth kid, the youngest one, um, was getting so sick. He was two years old, diagnosed with baby asthma, and how come this little baby, you know, couldn't breathe, um, and we couldn't see any um, any enemy, any visible enemy uh, within our living spaces, um, and that's how the the, the, the very beginning of the, this journey. Um, what I found then is because at that time there were no way. Uh, we could we could find out the source of the pollution because we couldn't read it, uh, and we the only thing we could be was rushing to the hospital and coming back. That's it, you know, back and forth, and that was very frustrating. And I saw a few years after um, I discovered the Internet of Thing. You know, this concept of combining existing sensors and data processing, and that's how. I really get started on thinking, oh, there's maybe a way of answering this question I had before about this, uh, the, the environment we're living in. And what, what type of work were you doing prior to starting Airbox? I, I had my, my business. I was a, as a consultant, I had a team of consultants in the environment field. Uh, we were looking at marketing, communication, and behavior changes um, and in regard with the protecting the environment, but without, I mean, changing, being also still uh, in, in the consuming, you know, consumer society, uh, but finding new ways like, you know, different ways of traveling, mobility, the energy saving. Um, and at that time, yeah, the indoor air was just a topic for the outdoor but the outdoor, there's almost nothing you can do, or not so much. Uh, and the, the indoor air quality was just not considered because it's in the private 
despair of of your um uh, of your life and so was a little bit less of her yeah and that's later on with um this this idea of of the internet of things that i saw the opportunity of answering the this question still in the environment and being again or always in this useful and meaningful project that can help um the uh, as many people as possible now cliff do you want to follow up here well i can i i want to follow up with uh being able to understand where jacques was from because our first son zach was was healthy and so on and so forth but we also had pediatric asthma with our youngest son, he's the only person that it affected, and I went through many of the same things that that, that Jock did. We got rid of pets, unfortunately. We moved houses, and and so on and so forth. There really weren't the answers. And what? D- did you ever figure out what was causing your son's exacerbated asthma? Never no. did. N- neither Never one of did. you. Interesting. And and he still has, you know, he still has it periodically now much less than he did, uh, you know, as a kid. And, I mean, it's scary. I mean, you know, like Jacques said, when they're two years old or even younger, uh, to take them to the emergency room and, you know, the breathing treatments and, uh, you know, the IVs. And, uh, you know, the scariest thing, uh, what was even worse for us, was I changed health insurance. Mm. And when I changed health insurance, I had no idea that they put – uh, into my son's medical records that they had suspected asthma. I never knew it. And when we changed health insurance, you know, I ended up with a bill of $20,000 that my wife and I had to pay because they said that we withheld information. And I, I'd never even known about it. You wow. know, and you've got to be careful what people put into your medical records. I mean, they never show it to you. Huh. And Jacques, how, how's your son Pretty today? Scary. Well, you know, it's they never same thing. They never found out exactly what it was and how, um, how yeah, to, to treat it. Uh, so it was it was staying at the hospital for a few days, then coming back, um, and we were really fortunate because it just it just recovered, you know, like um, like a kind of a miracle. Um, we, we still sometimes can hear his breathing, you know, um, uh, but, but he's fine doing sports uh, and, 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 and no one in, in the family among the other kids had any, any such uh, issue or allergies of, 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 of all kinds. Nothing uh, mm-hmm. was the, the only one. And, but yeah, really lucky that uh, he, he recovered um, uh, soon then after. So you you suspected though that maybe it was your indoor air that caused this, and then you you started looking at ways to help other people with indoor air quality and and recognizing. Yeah. Okay. Yes, definitely uh, because he, he was getting his crisis at home. Uh, so I mean, there were no, no other way of, of of thinking. You know, it's maybe coming from something he's eating. No, uh, it was and uh, and no one else had that. So um, what was really difficult? I was looking for. You know, you try to find ways of understanding of um, and 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 what was later on the the whole idea is that you cannot improve something you cannot measure. So you cannot correct a problem, you know, address a problem if if you cannot measure it. And that was the biggest frustration I had. Hmm. Uh, but at that time, it, it wasn't possible to get any. Was it so expensive? The any 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 device that it w- was 
not possible. Now, how long ago are we talking here? What year was you? How old is your son now? So now he's 14 years old. So it's oh. 12 years ago. Okay. And, and then it was in the around 2008 that you know the the real IoT thing started, and that's where I got the the, the first ID, and I started actually the uh, really the the journey uh, in 2013. Uh, so you see, it's uh, yeah, he's grown up, and uh, but still, um, it did. I mean, I had it. it it's in me uh, to, to and, and this idea of finding solution what was still there and now you have the, the Fubot, which is a, a low cost I mean, relatively low cost sensor that people yeah. put in their homes it measures particle why don't you tell people a little bit more about the Fubot? yeah and the very first idea of Fubot was to being able to go from an you know, high-resolution picture. That's the appliance that are, you know, from laboratories that are very expensive that you cannot afford, basically. From this approach to a low-resolution video, and by that meaning continuously reading, 24-7 all the time, reading what's in the air. But the difference is because we want to make it affordable to um, everyone to, to have it at home. So difference being that we cannot have the granularity of the high-end product. But by looking at the trends of both the VOCs for the chemical um, uh, pollution and the physical pollution with the PM 2.5, we can say it, whether there's a problem or not, if it's you know, increasing or decreasing. And so it's, 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 a, it's a good way of making sure there's not a particular source of pollution or different sources of pollution that is, you know, either all the time or from time to time that you have them in-house and, and, and you have to get rid of them. I'm curious, you've been involved in this home monitor market now for three going on four years, I guess, and probably had the idea a lot longer than that. How big of a market is this, Jock? Is there, are there a lot of people buying these products? It is still an early stage market. Um, if you compare it to the the connected thermostat market, which is just entering after four years, it's just entering the main market, almost the beginning of the main market. So it's it considers about fifteen percent of the households in the U.S. Uh, equipped with a connected thermostat. So the indoor air quality as such and, and as a monitor, as a way of, you know, monitoring the, um, the, the reading uh, is really still very early stage. So most of these people are people either they, they are suffering or they had, you know, suffered from, from that. So they're very, very much aware of the problem. Um, and so it's yeah really based on the level of awareness of these people. If you consider people, you know, if you consider looking at what you're eating, what you're drinking, the third thing is what you're breathing, which is, you know, it sounds a little bit obvious, but we are, most of the people are assuming that the air, the breathing is good enough to live. Um, and as long as you cannot read it, and there's no way you, you can see it. So it's still, we still have um, pretty much yeah, early adopters. Um, and I remember 
reading a very interesting study um, two years ago um, about the, uh, the the quantified cells, you know, or the connected um, the tracker, the activity trackers um, that y- you can wear. Um, so now it's been yeah almost six six seven years. It's on the market, and the first three years um, they found out that actually those who were using the the this activity trackers were the people who did not actually need it hmm. they were people you know they had you know um, they were doing sport they were uh, they had a healthy living but these people were the early adopters and they wanted to see how they perform and that's the, also what we we see today we have people that that they they are into reading the data um, understanding better what's going on and following up so people also in the smart home people um, um, in in communities with uh, uh, with healthy living um, are typically those uh, would be using uh, uh, food first okay. then the second wave is, is the people who have already something that is connected at home and the best or first thing would be a thermostat connected thermostat because then you can integrate Fubot or connect it with the thermostat and, and Fubot can trigger the um, ventilation part. So it's, it's helping you automatizing the indoor air environment. I see. Cliff, do you have a follow-up? I do, Joe. Thank you. Uh, Sean, um, you know, we're in North America and you're in Europe. Um, is there interest in, you know, is there interest in your technology on a global basis, or is it just in North America? Uh, well, yeah, very interesting question, um, because I see the two markets, and the third one is China. We could uh, say a few words about about this market, too. So the main difference um, between... Uh, uh, the problem is global. It, it's really worldwide. Uh, uh, for the indoor air pollution, um, that's there's nothing we, we can um, we can do. It's 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 there. Um, like the asthma rate worldwide is between eight to ten percent. It's not like would be just in America, would be more in 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 Europe or in Africa. It's everywhere. Um, now ma- the main differences are, first of all, the the U.S. Uh, nation is a data-driven society. So you've been dealing with data, you know, longer than European uh, people. So it, it's already in your uh, uh, DNA in a way. So looking at data is really meaningful and useful uh, for the people in the States. You're much more into looking at new or innovative solution, um, even new business model. And we could talk about how Fubot can help also c- contractors uh, uh, to, to um, uh, upsell jobs uh, at, um, for homeowners. Um, and so you're much more into trying new things um, versus Europe is much more conservative. And the second point is European people tend to rely on the government, the states, to, you know, tell them what to do or to make the rules. And then they would just follow up the rules. Whereas in the U.S., um, the, the, the state is less um, and in, in that. And so people are also more looking for themselves um, uh, for, the, for the health um, um, issues. 
And what about the China market? Have you gotten any penetration yeah, in the Chinese? Yeah. But the, the Chinese market, I was so surprised because I thought, of course, the first one we will help are the Chinese people. Um, and I've tried hard to help them out. But actually, it was almost the opposite because Chinese people, and it's really based on, on the culture. Um, first, they have the pollution since almost ever. I mean, it's something that is here. So all the people, they're born in a, in a polluted country. So it's like something you see from the early stage, you know, early age. Um, and Chinese people are very much into the hardware. So they all look, they all buy, they all install air purifiers or anything in their home. Um, but they're not into the data. Hmm. It's really surprising. Um, they want the system. They don't want to look at the data. Um, Plus, the other thing is, which you could laugh about it, but it's, it's pretty sad. Uh, you can install the best air purifiers in a standard apartment in China, and then you will see that um, homeowners, they would smoke inside the apartment. Yeah, so what, yeah. you know, what's the use of it? I've got a text question from a listener. They, they're asking, what about India? Have you done any work in India? Um, India is, is, is starting, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be even a bigger problem than in China. Uh, you know, how they rank in terms of pollution. It's, it's a disaster. It's really a catastrophe. I mean, that's, uh, um, now they have huge, it's, but it's, 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 yeah, it's, they have, they're more into, into data because they have more engineers, they have more software engineers. Um, so we, we see already, um, even startups, even projects, you know, based on, on connected um, uh, existing sensors for the outdoor, a little bit less for the indoor. Um, and, and I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be the, the, the next um, um, uh, big market uh, okay. for, for the, all the indoor air treatment system. Jock, we've got to take a real short break to thank a sponsor and uh, promote a conference that we're going to be at real soon. We'll be right back with Jacques Toulon. It's the second annual Indoor Environmental Science Forum coming to the Doubletree Hotel, Tampa Airport in sunny Tampa, Florida, February 21st through the 24th. Join industry leaders and educators as they share their knowledge and supporting science with you. See the latest equipment and solutions from exhibitors. Network with sponsors and industry insiders. It's two full days of in-depth coverage of water damage, assessment, protocols, mold remediation, solutions, and legal issues. Don't miss this important two-day industry forum, beginning this February 21st with a welcome reception and wrapping up with a live IAQ radio broadcast Friday the 24th, featuring Radio Joe and the Z-Man and their guest John Lapiter, Richard Alexis, and industry watchdog Pete Consigli. Register now at IndoorEnvironmentalScienceForum.com or call 954-562-6093 for more information. And we hope to see a lot of listeners there. And let's get back to our interview with Jacques Touillon. Jacques, you, you're the co-founder and CEO of Airbox Lab, the manufacturers of Fubot. Um, I, you know, every week I look for articles and um, put them out with my newsletter and our show announcement, essentially. And and more and more, I see other 
people developing similar types of, of products, um, similar to what you've developed here with the FUBOT, and we've had the people on that manufactured spec in the past, and, and there are quite a few others out there now. Dylos has a you know one of these types of units. It, it seems like yeah. it's getting a little more crowded every week. Is, is that something you've noticed as well? Yes, indeed, and, and, and I feel very lucky and happy about that. Uh, if, if I compared like three years ago uh, compared to today, uh, that means that there are really nice efforts and a growing awareness. That's all we all need to work together to raise awareness on on, on this topic. So um, that that's a, that's a good um, a good thing to uh, to see. Now it's not all. All devices not the same, um, so there's way differentiating. It's like uh, you can the, the the like the full, but we I insist a lot on the value of the data as as a service, uh, either for the for the user to change behaviors to understand what's going on, as well as the the use of the data for the professional people, for the contractors, home performance contractors. Uh, they can see they have. Finally, a real way of seeing and not understanding, but finding out um, or better finding out sources of problems and remediation solutions so that they can step by step uh, improve the indoor air environment. And that's what I think makes the difference. Just the sensor for itself or, you know, the, the, a monitor just to monitor um, doesn't make sense. Um, I think the, 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 the real idea behind that and in the future would be no longer to have any device. It's, it's not full, but it's the, it's the sensor array. And we should all work in, in embedding that into other system, um, in embedding that into adduct, into our living spaces. And then the, the crucial thing is to work with the data and, 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 combine this data with a treatment system. And let's let's talk a little more specifically about what FUBOT measures and how it measures it. Yeah. Um, you, you do particles, you do um, two, PM 2.5, as I understand it. You, you have a little VOC sensor Sorry. in there. Can you give people a little more of an yeah. understanding on that? So we sourced... Um, <clears throat> A technology that would make it possible to have some robust um, um, sensors so that you would not need to have them maintained or come back to the um, uh, to the office to to be um, to be serviced um, we have a, so it's called a TVOC total volatile organic organic compounds uh, for the chemical part it's reading the aggregate chemical gases that you have in the air um, so it, it's giving you the trend of this chemical, potential chemical pollution you have, but we cannot, so far we cannot differentiate the, the gases um, within it. So the thing is, we all want to have as, you know, as less gases as, as possible. That's the idea with this use of, of TVOC. And the PM2.5, we decided to go for the 2.5 because that's the size of the particles that you start to inhale and they get into your respiratory system. Um, now, it would be in the future also interesting to look at very smaller particulates uh, because that's the one who get into your bloodstream. So it's, it's, you see, it's all related to health. Um, we also have temperature humidity because 
it is also important to get, you know, the right balance in terms of temperature and humidity. And you can also find um, potential problems based on, on humidity. We found out, uh, one of the contractors found out that with, with a high level of humidity, you can have um, more VOCs. Um, in, inside the house. So it, it's really looking at a holistic approach. The full body itself is so continuously reading. So like the PM 2.5 is measuring every 15 milliseconds um, what's, what's in the air. And we send the, um, the average reading every five minutes to the cloud. We process the data and you can have all detailed results on the, on, on the smartphone. There's also a reading directly on the device itself. It's something we thought at the beginning to have just these LEDs for an instant reading. Like when it's blue, it's good. When it's orange, that means, oh, there's something going on. We have to look uh, into it. Um, and then there are, there are other tools we've developed, like um, uh, the way that you can, as a user, you can uh, uh, export the data uh, and use it for yourself. Um, we have also created um, a dashboard for the profession, for the contractors, so that they can they can um, connect Fubot to the dashboard and they can remotely follow up what's going on inside the uh, their customers' um, uh, houses, hmm. and they can provide service to these customers based on the reading of the Fubot. That's really the idea of being a tool, not just a device. And, and, and yeah, this piece of the puzzle um, for, and, and contribute to a, an um, improving ecosystem. And what, what is the accuracy of the sensors, say the, the PM2.5 and the VOC? So the, the, the PM2.5 is, is 12% uh, for the uh, accuracy. Now, uh, for the VOC, you cannot give an accuracy because it's, it's an aggregation of all the chemicals. So we, we couldn't uh, benchmark it to um, a, another um, type of reading or measurement. Um, that's the, that's the, the, the constraint or the limit of the device. It's, and and in, in that sense, that's also important to understand that a Fubot is not here to replace other devices or appliances. It's, it's a first entry point to better understand and follow up, uh, you know, continuously make sure um, that, it's, that everything is, is, is doing fine. When there are peaks, peaks of pollution or, you know, recurrent spikes, we all, always say it's it's just the beginning of looking into something else. And then you need experts, you need other appliances to find out exactly what it is. And, you know, I got a, we have a, uh, a sponsor, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, and they yeah. sell, you know, monitors for the professional industry. And they have a paper on, you know, how to work with and, and maybe even help people get a better idea of uh, the calibration on their lower cost IAQ sensors. So it's not just contractors that could use these as a, a way of helping monitor people's buildings, but also consultants that uh, do indoor air quality consulting. And then they could also help with verifying whether those measurements are accurate and then, you know, break down a little further yeah, what it, exactly it, it, you're measuring. It's a tool that can help, you know, the two of them. Uh, both the user so that he better understand what's going on. And, and you know, 
what we see is actually that most of the indoor air pollution comes from the, the homeowners because of the product we're using, the activities we have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you raise awareness, if you educate people in a way, you will help them also get you know, some uh, interesting results. Um, and for the contractors, it's really a simple tool that is you know, giving them um, um, ways of, uh, of better understanding and providing um, uh, improvement, uh, what we call you know, kind of incremental uh, improvement for the, for the home. I want to ask a little more about uh, how you educate consumers and what you tell them, you know, how you let them know, okay, when you have, you know, a, a warning light or whatever, here's here's the next step. But if we've got to stop for 90 seconds and thank our sponsors. We'll be back with the second half of our interview. We've got Jock Tuyon of uh, uh, Airbox Labs and the Foobot uh, founder, co-founder of those two groups, uh, talking interesting discussion on uh, IAQ sensors and remote monitoring, and we'll be back in 90 seconds. Our association sponsors include... The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. IEQ Pros, formerly Triska, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, IEQ Pros is your link to industry's training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is ieqpros.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Particles Plus, who engineers and manufactures feature-rich particle counters, air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Visit them at www.particlesplus.com. Count on us. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. We could not do the show without our sponsors, beginning with our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's J-O-N-D-O-N. Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at iaq.net. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Visit them at legends-enviro.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. Okay, we're back. We've got the second half of our interview. We've got uh, Jacques Tuyon. He's calling out of uh, Luxembourg today, I believe. And uh, he's the co-founder of uh, the product, the company that manufactures the Fubot. I'm looking at one here on my desk right now. It's a very interesting product, Jacques. I'm wondering... When, when people have measurements that are a little out of the ordinary, how do you support them? Do you have, like, educational resources for them? Do you have a list of consultants and contractors or, or at least maybe 
where they can find maybe associations that have these contractors and consultants as members? Um, how do you support folks once they find they have an issue? We have part of it, not the full list, but part of it. First, we, we provide um, like kind of actionable advice. You know, this first level of um, advice or education so that they understand and they see, they, they, they connect the dot between some, some products they use and especially cleaning products where, you know, we all uh, use pretty harsh cleaning products and actually what we don't realize is that for you know five minutes of cleaning we have three to four hours of polluted air where we breathe this pollution uh, so that's the kind of thing we can within the app we can provide this um, knowledge uh, for them uh, we're working on on a way of yeah, providing also kind of, you know, uh, leads for them to then turn to professional people to, to get, you know, better um, answers and, and go deeper into understanding and solving the, the problem. Because, yeah, football itself is not solving the, the problem. And finally, we're also working on, an, on, a, on another approach, some kind of a new approach uh, with a partner called Home Lab. Uh, they're kind of the, the home doctors um, and they provide a service uh, based on the reading of, of the football plus the um, analyzing of the, um, the, the results. And, and getting into more detailed um, uh, analysis, like about the, how toxic the in-house can uh, can be, um, giving expert guidance uh, to these people, um, so that they can step by step, like a coach, um, they would then uh, um, uh, get rid of the the sources of uh, of pollutants and and yeah, have a healthier uh, living indoors. Um, I'm curious what what's the price range, and is, do you just have the one product, or are there different models? No, we have one product. That's the you know part of the the startup vision that you have yeah, kind of they the, say the the one fits all. Uh, we wanted to have one device that could answer um, different needs. Uh, so the Fubot is the retail price is one ninety nine. Um, th- there's no subscription uh, for the end users. Uh, they they get the free app um, with with the price of the the device. And then <coughs> we also have a a price range for the contractors with um, the um, uh, um, a small fee for the for for as a subscription for the dashboard so that they can continuously monitor they can do kind of google analytics import the data print out reports that they can use to hand over to the uh, to the their the customers um that's the, um, the the way we use it and the other way is with home lab then it's it's a subscription um a yearly subscription first year is is 199 actually and also get a full butt so that they get the readings and 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 then it's 129 a year uh, so that you keep coaching looking into um, a continuous coaching approach so how do the contractors do this that, that you're working with do they buy the food bots and then take them out and give them to their customers yeah. there are different ways of, of doing it um they can they can buy um, um they have a 
yeah, they they have a wholesale distributor price, uh, so that they can they can already make money out of that. Um, some of them they just uh, they add a, a little fee so that they go in the in the home and they do the um, you know they install the food, but they create the account connected to the the Wi-Fi. Um, and then we even have contractors. What they do is they can they can um, they they build a subscription model for three to five years. And, and based on that, they provide the the full bot, and there are they have this relationship with with the users, so they continuously be reading it and and coming back whenever needed uh, with um, uh, with solution for, uh, for for these people. Are most of your contractors? Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. Now we also have uh, we had uh, also um, um, but it was not contractors companies who were implementing uh, you know um, health program for the employees and they were then they were sponsoring the device as well as uh, uh, you know the the quantified self Fitbit Jawbone or connected scale for their employees to be part of a health program hmm. and and with with the um the contractors what what type of contractor do you most often have um, in your program would it be energy and and home performance type people hvac yeah. contractors a little of both no it, it's mainly the, the the you know the one that i that I see the um the the, the most interest is the home performance uh, contractors I see. um because they're really they're already into um, um, reading the data, getting the data to to analyze what's going on, and to go you know incrementally uh, to uh, improve the um, the indoor uh, environment. Um, Some we have also requests from um, yeah um, energy companies or energy efficiency uh, consultant companies that see. That you know, once you've done uh, the, the best to, um, and also with the air tightness of the home or the the buildings, then they they realize that you really have to look into um, the air you're breathing uh, because you're saving on one one hand. But what are you? Um, what are you? What, what is the um, uh, the impact on the air you're breathing? I'm wondering. Do you recommend that people move? the food bot around to different parts or different rooms of their home and how do you how do you make those recommendations no we we prefer we uh, suggest yeah uh, recommend people that uh, because we use natural airflow inside this space so it's not a device that would be good for kind of you know pollution snapshot um, of, of the pollution um, and Ideally, in, in, in a typical U.S. house, would be something like maximum three full butts. You would have one for the basement because you have to look at the, the mold issue, so the humidity level um, plus temperature, if there's too, too, diff, you know, too many differences of temperature. A full butt in the first floor because that's the, you know, the daylight uh, uh, living spaces. And the, the last one, in the uh, in the second floor where you have the bedrooms most of the time and pollution in the bedroom is not the same than on the first floor and by doing that we had really you know some some um home performance contractors um found very interesting thing to find the right balance in the home um by providing the right 
you know, the, the, the right job um, to see how temperature would be different from a floor to another uh, or a, a pollution um, as well as, as humidity. Um, that's the, but uh, apart from that, we say that you don't need one full bot per room. It's a full bot covers around up to something like 1,500 square feet. Um, of course, as long as you keep the doors open so that the air will flow naturally um, inside the, um, the dwelling. Uh, Cliff, do you have any follow-ups? No, not on that, Joe. I'm just curious, Jacques, how, how did you, um, and I don't know if you're the technical guy on this or not, but how did your group determine what level, at, at, at what level <laughs> the notifications would change from blue to orange or yeah. from good to, yeah. you know, something yeah. that needs looked at? Yeah, great question. Something yeah, we, we tend to forget about that. Very easy. We do not create that. We use those um, um, from the um, World Health Organization. I see. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, their standards, um, which doesn't mean that we couldn't in the future, because depending on, uh, you know, where you're using FUBOT, uh, in, in a hospital or in a casino, um, you, you would be using it m- most probably in a different way. So it's also, we're also looking at uh, ways of, providing the dashboard with um, threshold that you could also uh, change um, depending on the program or the, the goal you have. Um, and then, of course, you with all the, the contractors, they would get, um, they would get alert uh, warnings uh, based on that. And that's the powerful way of, yeah, and then getting back to the people. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, future additions, enhancements, yeah. et cetera. But before we do, I'm wondering, I don't believe your unit does CO2, um, and, and none of them that I'm aware of do CO2. The, they're mostly focused on particles. You've got the VOCs. I think maybe one of them does CO2. Is it because CO2 is a yeah. little more expensive um, type of monitor? Okay. Um, could be the first and, and the, the very first reason for that is because that's also the, uh, something I'm fighting against. It's been, I know in Europe, maybe also in the U.S., over 30 years that the, the CO2 has been, you know, the reference for the indoor air quality. Uh, but the problem is it's not a pollutant. It's a confinement indicator. Um, though we know that there might be a link between VOCs and CO2 in terms of correlation. Um, but the CO2 is not telling you what's in the air. It's telling you that you, you might have stale um, uh, air, so you need to renew air, you have confined air, but it doesn't tell you what's in the air really. So what we decided to do um, is to have an algorithm to recalculate the impact of the VOCs turn into an equivalent CO2. Hmm. So, indeed, yes, it's not a CO2 sensor. Um, that's the reason why yeah, we, we did that, because we want to look at what is impairing your health, not what is, you know, confining your spaces. Um, what about CO, carbon monoxide? Do you have any plans on including CO monitors? 
Yes, we do. Um, first, the, the, the VOC sensor is highly sensitive to uh, carbon monoxide. But problem is we cannot differentiate. So there's no way of telling you anything about any potential danger. Uh, that's the, uh, the limit of the full butt as is. That's the reason why we're also working on, on an, our next project, next step. Um, we need to go on a higher end in a way and with more sensors, um, full butt in, in, in a way, it's still something, you know, uh, continuously reading. But with this potentially ways of getting better in terms of granularity of measurement, um, providing potentially even certified measurement, providing, getting to know what's in the VOCs. Mm -hmm. Because we all want to know, is it formaldehyde? which is carcinogenic, or is it just, you know, I don't know, uh, toluene, which, is, which can be, you know, harmful, but in a very, very, very low quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the question we want to answer. We also would like to see more uh, about the PM um, uh, sizes. That would be interesting. And finally, back to the, the CEO. There's one thing that I would love, a question I would love to, to answer. What is, how are we exposed to carbon monoxide on a daily basis? Who knows? No one. That's where I would like to disrupt and find the solution. Because we all know we're using the, the, the CEO sensor, okay, with a threshold. And anything from zero to the official threshold is considered as zero. Mm-hmm. So we would like to know how are we exposed? So could, can we quantify our exposure to carbon monoxide? That's the, the, one of the goals we have, I mean, in, and, and vision we have to help, still help out people protect and better understand what's going on. What, what other things do you see coming down the road where the, the sensors will get uh, inexpensive enough that you can add, uh, maybe like formaldehyde or, or any others that uh, you can see coming down the road being separate sensors within your unit. Well, you, you know the, what the, the dream for most of the the sensor uh, manufacturers um, is to to be the one achieving the um, the ultimate goal uh, to be into the smartphones. Um, so. Uh, getting mm-hmm. so small, so powerful that uh, you could be embedded in in a, in a smartphone. So that because you know eh, that's everyone has a smartphone. So you could be that could become your personal reader. Um, so it's a little bit far away from from us, I guess. Um, but I think that's the trend. Um, getting in smaller, um, uh, getting in in energy uh, because a good sensor still needs. Um, continuous um, um, energy, so need to be plugged um, if, if you want to have you know, kind of serious uh, readings. Um, and there's another, yeah, there's another subject that is, um, it's sad, but uh, that's the, 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 yeah, the reality of our world is the, um, the bio threat. Uh, so tomorrow, would, that would also be something um, we should be looking at or we should find you know, a solution um, so that, to, again, to protect ourselves um, from, from this uh, danger. 
Interesting. So that everybody's phone would be a uh, a warning system, essentially, and then if they were somehow yeah. networked mm-hmm. together, went up to the you know went up to the Internet of Things, then um, you know we could monitor that and we could see when maybe there was a biological release somewhere or a chemical release yeah. somewhere. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, Jacques. This is all fascinating to me. I, I enjoy talking about these uh, these types of topics and and I'm wondering with respect to the data that you you collect how does that work it goes up yeah. to the cloud and then uh, what do you do with that data well we, with the data we, we do the data processing so looking at the because you know the sensors themselves they, they give I mean it's just a signal so you have to um, you have to understand the signal you have to work work with it and so the very first idea is the data is for the user to better understand for the professional to 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 better uh, fix um, the the problem that are um, you know arising um, in um, in a home and the data belong to the user that uh, we just it just grants us uh, 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 the use of it so that we can process it and provide the uh, this service um, potentially down the road um, if we put together um, all this data, um, we might be able to help better understand the impact of the pollution on our body uh, by quantifying the, you know, the polluted air we breathe, quantifying the fresh air we breathe. That's, um, I don't know what exactly, but that's, that's the idea of, um, in that case of sharing together uh, like kind of a community sharing these results so that it will help all of us. Do you, at this point, look at the data and then go, okay, it looks like, you know, this part of the United States has higher than average particulate numbers versus, you know, some other part or or this neighborhood versus another neighborhood because a lot of our indoor pollution comes from outdoors as well. Uh, we've had Linda Wigington on the show. She's um, in charge of a study mm-hmm. called Roxas, uh, reducing outdoor contaminants in indoor spaces, and they've they've used some of these indoor monitors to help them with that. They they put one outside, one inside. Um, are you looking at anything like that? Yeah, it's a little bit early, but it's something we have in mind too. Um, so far, we have an, 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 a partnership uh, with, with another startup called uh, Brizometer, and they provide us with the outdoor data based on, on existing open source data, um, so, um, so that users as well as, as contractors, they, they can benchmark, see, okay, how, what, potentially, uh, what's the impact of the outdoor um, indoors? Um, we don't have, honestly speaking, we don't have yet uh, statistics. Um, about about that, uh, it's it's still too it's still too early. Um, but it's something that we have people asking us if we could deploy an experiment, and I strongly believe experiment can be really helpful for everybody. Uh, just deploying an experiment, you know, among um, like a gated community to see because it's interesting to see when you have two same houses or apartment and two different families inside the results can be completely different um so it's uh, there's not like the outdoor where you have like one pollutant and you just fill up with the airflow uh, it's it's much more complex with the uh, indoor uh, indoor pollution um, but definitely yeah something uh, worth um working on it 
All right, we're getting a little short on time. We're going to go to what we call a roundup, where Cliff and I both ask a final question of our guest. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw. All right, we're in the roundup. Cliff, why don't you go first? Okay, Chuck. Um, yeah, I'm just listening to what you say, and I, I appreciate your passion and your inventiveness and, and your dedication to this. And the one thing that I'm thinking is that he, he, here's a guy that's selling an ingenious device you know, for $199, and in today's world, you kind of look at the technology of smartphones and computers, and you know, with computers, they're getting smarter, they're getting faster, and they're getting less expensive, you know, like all the time. It, it, it just, you know, it seemed to me if I was you, I, I would be a little nervous about, you know, the future of the company because even though you'd be, be selling many more units, I, you know, the income that, that you're getting from each one, you know, might be a lot smaller because the costs uh, are going down. So I just wondered how you'd respond to that. What? Yeah. Excellent remark. Um, and I would say yes and no. Yes, I'm, I'm nervous because uh, more competition means, you know, maybe uh, the slice of the cake will uh, reduce, you know, will shorter. Um, but at the same time, that means the market is growing. And that's a good sign, um, first of all. Second, when you see, just look at the, um, the market of the connected uh, thermostats. I think that's a good example where uh, Nest started at 299 um, and, and then today, um, you can start finding a lot of connected thermostats at 99. Uh, so you see in, in what, four years, about four years. Um, so I, honestly, I do hope that we will reach that point much quicker. Uh, because that will mean that the the market is democratizing, that more and more people are, want to have this reading. And we'll find a solution. We're already working on that. We'll find the solution. It's always, you know, related to volume. Uh, once you reach some volume, then you can get uh, a scale of economy, um, economy of scale. Uh, I mean, um, so it's it's really something we have to, to look at. This Two, you know, both approach between the, the high hand, getting better um, uh, measurement, certified measurement, kind of creating a standard for the indoor air quality on a continuous reading, and at the same time making it even more affordable for the average Joe, for everyone. You know, I admire both your courage and your confidence. <laughs> Thank you. you. Know, I'm curious because, you know, Cliff brings up a really important question, and, and that leads to... Um, a, a, an experience I had. I was um, invited to report on the PM 2.5 and health conference that was done. It was a two-day conference at the National Academy of Sciences. EPA was a sponsor. Um, yeah. uh, Sloan, I believe, was was also a sponsor. And and I was talking to the you know I was in the audience asking some questions and I asked about these low-cost sensors and. And, um, you know, how we were going to use those to help people with PM 2.5 issues and so on. And the, the guy, one of the guys that uh, Harvard asked me, well, what, what's, what's low cost? And I said, well, they're about $200. And he said, well, for the people I work with, that's, that's not low cost, Joe. That's, that's a lot of money. 
and uh, we're going to have a hard time getting those types of units into these people's hands. And then I know the spec people, who, who again, we've, we've had on the show, they are now using grant money, I believe it is, to, to put these little monitors, low-cost IAQ monitors, in libraries so people can check them out free of charge. Do you have any plans for something like that in the future? Is that something you've looked at as well, Jock? That's something, as I mentioned, experiment would be something we're very open to that because I think it's, it's you know, um, it's really wonderful and, and, and that helps a lot to uh, share with others. Uh, and that's also considering full button, the technology as just part of a, something that is bigger, it's larger. Um, yes. And, and we wouldn't exist if we hadn't this early adopters, not only the one who buy full bots, but the one who use it, the professional and thinking about, yeah, all the, the home, prof, the home performance uh, people, the, uh, one of them was Ned Adams, who did a great job in, you know, benchmarking the, um, uh, the devices, using it, implementing it, um, making almost a science uh, out of it. Uh, there were another guy, Rob Minnick, he did a tremendous way of using it. Um, others, uh, Nate Bellino from Home Lab with this idea of, you know, building the program uh, for your health uh, based on on, on on sensors. So, I mean, it's there's so many things we can, we can do, um, and it's really exciting because it's only over a year that it's on the market, and I see you know how the the, the, the traction not in terms really of you know volume selling a lot, but the traction in terms of interest from the professional people, and that's where the future is. Really, I tell you where I think. And this is just me thinking out loud, Jacques. I I think, and I don't know if you've looked at this, but this is the type of product, whether it's yours or or whomever's, that should be built into code. And that when you build a new home, especially today with these tighter and tighter and tighter new homes, for 100 or 200 bucks to put that unit, require that unit be in every new tight home, would would to me be a win-win kind of thing, but... Just, you know, me kind of thinking out loud. Agree, fully agree with you. you um, s- the only thing is, you know, um, building codes versus um, end users, um, it's really so, uh, that's so, you know, the gap is big. Uh, it is. So that's, uh, it that's is, but we, you know, we have code now that requires, you know, uh, fire, smoke alarms, um, things like that. So, yeah. You know, as we tighten up these buildings and as we understand how detrimental PM 2.5 and other indoor particulate, indoor indoor pollution can be to people's health, I, I don't know. It seems to me like that might be a, a path to look at. But uh, before we go, Jacques, we always like to have as our final question, is, is there anything that you'd like to add before we go? Anything we missed that uh, you'd like to add for listeners? Well, I would first add that thank you very much for this, uh, you know, highly interesting conversation. Well, I know I was with experts. I mean, people who are so much into the the, the topic, and um, what well, you see, uh, I, I love to share um, my passion uh, for that. Um, I think we're just at the beginning of a journey. Uh, it's really something. It should, it should be something big, big coming out of that, and I can't wait to to have it and share it. Uh, with other because it's not just food but it's it's all people working on that or competitors we have to work together on helping out the rest of the world that's really uh, my goal 
Well, and thank you so much for sharing your goal and, and joining us today. Uh, Jock Tuyon, and we appreciate I don't know what time it is over there. It's probably more like 7 or 8 well, o'clock in the evening. It's, it's only 7 p.m., so, you know, the day's starting. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks. I hope I can meet you in person someday, but thanks for joining yeah. us uh, on the radio, and uh, we look forward to talking again. Thank right. you, Joy. Bye now. By now, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, Jock Tuyon, co-founder and CEO of Airbox Lab. They make the FUBOT IAQ monitors. I uh, want to say thanks, of course, to my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Great show, Cliff. Uh, yeah, it was, Jim. Also, uh, to our engineer, John, you got to have faith. Uh, most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. Oh, by the way, we've got um, Dr. Sarah Kwan will be joining us next week. She's from Yale. We'll talk a little bit about the microbiology of the built environment. I met her at the conference out in Colorado. Looking forward to that interview. And before we go, let's uh, one more time plug our event in Florida. We'll see everybody to the back Double here Tree next Hilton Friday Hotel, for the Tampa next Airport edition of Sunny Tampa, IAQ Florida, Radio. February 21st through the 24th. It's the second annual Indoor Environmental Science Forum. Join industry leaders and educators as they share their knowledge in supporting science with you. Speakers include Pete Consigli, John Lapiter, Dr. Ralph Moon, Harvey V. Cohen, Joe Hughes, Cliff Zlotnick, Ken Larson, and Eric Shapiro. See the latest equipment and solutions from exhibitors. Network with sponsors and industry insiders. It's two full days of in-depth coverage of water damage, assessment, protocols, mold remediation, problems solutions, and legal issues. Don't miss this important two-day industry forum beginning Tuesday the 21st with a welcome reception and wrapping up with a live IAQ radio broadcast Friday the 24th featuring Radio Joe and the Z-Man and their guests John Lapater, Richard Alexis, and industry watchdog Pete Consigli. Register now at IndoorEnvironmentalScienceForum.com. That's IndoorEnvironmentalScienceForum.com or call 954-562-6093 for more information. Register now for the second annual Indoor Environmental Science Forum in sunny and warm Tampa, Florida. This has been another IAQ Radio production. 